Welcome to Elisa SciComm Corner, a curated science communication research podcast where I take you on an in-depth dive into research supporting accurate and effective science communication. In honor of Women's History Month, this month's episode will be focusing on women in STEM. There are countless women who have made contributions to the sciences, but rather than choosing just a few of them to highlight, I wanted to take a different approach. This episode will focus on women's experiences in STEM, from their support systems, or the lack thereof, to their representation in media, the decisions they face when it comes to whether or not to start a family, and the discrimination and expectations that they face on a daily basis in academia. Joining us to share her experiences, we have Alexandra Ambrico, a science communication master's student from Stony Brook University. Her focus in her master's work is women in STEM, specifically looking at representation and role models for young girls and how this affects their interest in and pursuit of STEM careers. We begin by talking about the importance of support systems at various stages in young women's lives. Different stages require different levels and types of support beginning with what girls see and are told at home, and continuing with what they hear in elementary school versus high school and beyond. It's funny because I just had done an interview not that long ago, and we talked about like my upbringing and my home life um, and how I feel like my parents instilled a lot of confidence in me. So I always felt like I could do anything. Um, and I think having that type of energy throughout my life has actually been quite beneficial. Um, And I would say like for young girls, especially like having a role model in STEM is really important because a lot of times what we see in media and popular culture is male scientists, male mathematicians, engineers, etc. There's not as many women represented on TV and in books and in magazines, but they're there. The women are there. They're just not shown. And I think you know, for young girls watching TV, if they don't necessarily see themselves, you know, as those characters, they might not pursue those careers because they don't think it's for them. According to the National Center for Science and Engineering Statistics, a 2021 sample from 83 colleges and universities showed that women are more likely than men to earn college degrees. 57% of bachelor's degrees in the U.S. are conferred to women yet they remain underrepresented in most STEM fields at all post-secondary education levels. Interestingly, a study published the same year by researchers from the University of Minnesota found a strong relationship between the proportion of female STEM majors at a school and women's persistence in STEM at that institution. It's possible that this results from a more supportive climate for women in STEM or features that directly result from being surrounded by a larger cohort of women, like increased social support. But more empirical research needs to be done in order to understand the underlying mechanisms so we can replicate these supportive environments in institutions across the country and increase the retention of women in STEM fields. So I love there's this one quote that says, like, you can't be what you can't see. And I think that's super important with role models is that you need to see representation. And it's not just women, it's diversity as well, because science is a diverse place. We're just not shown those things. So people, you know, if they don't have those people to look up to, 
I think it deters um, them from pursuing careers and degrees in STEM. Another crucial component of the support framework is mentorship. It affects every aspect of a woman's journey in STEM. Now, mentorship is very important. I think especially from college up until you get your first job or you're pursuing a graduate degree, you need support from a mentor, whether it be for them to write you a letter of recommendation or for them to teach you things that you don't necessarily know at the moment. Mentors can provide instrumental support, like resources and opportunities, as well as psychological and emotional support. According to a longitudinal study published by Estrada in 2018, having a mentor can enhance an individual's sense of competence and identity, as well as facilitate their emotional and personal development. A mentor can also serve as someone who can offer a trusted opinion or listening ear for when the journey through STEM gets tough, as it inevitably will. Women and girls in STEM don't only need mentors. They need role models, too. They need to see themselves represented in the field, to see other women in positions of authority making groundbreaking changes, and they need to see these women represented accurately. I spoke to Alex about the representation we see today in media and popular culture and how she feels about the most well-known portrayals of women in STEM. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. (laughs) I'll tell you that. I feel like there's a specific type of female scientist that they portray. I mean, on the Big Bang Theory, they made Amy wear clothes that made her look heavier. Um, They kind of made her look frumpy, whereas the other female in the show... Um, was like the hot girl and like why couldn't the hot girl be the scientist like it didn't make sense to me that they wanted to portray a certain type of female scientist Um, because I mean you know being in science like we all look different like we all don't look like Amy we don't all look like Penny you know those are also two white women that they portrayed in the show we didn't have any females of color Um, we didn't have anyone with a disability. So the representation was actually, you know, quite low. And I don't think fully depicts what actually it is like in science. And I do know that in science in general, there aren't many women. We are still like at 20%, I believe, in like higher positions like PI level, um, which is frustrating. According to the 2018 New York Times Glass Ceiling Index, there are more male CEOs in industry named James than there are CEOs who are women. How can girls envision themselves in STEM roles if they don't even see it as a possibility? I would love to create some sort of platform to showcase all of these women because what we're seeing now is not a good representation. And perhaps by doing that, by introducing these role models on TV and media, popular culture, that young girls who you know, are from a diverse background, decide, okay, you know, I see that person, I believe that I can do it too. Um, Because I think, you know, if they're just watching the Big Bang Theory, I don't think that's really making girls want to be in science. And it's also funny with the Big Bang Theory, because um, Amy actually has a PhD in real life. Miriam Bialik. Um, And I it would have been really cool, I think, for people to 
see how she was in normal life um, rather than on a TV show. And I think that's even a better representation of women in science. Scientist, writer, and comedian Bish Marzuk wrote an essay about her struggles to find her identity as a female scientist in a white male-centered world and how the representations of women in STEM don't match the reality. Instead, these portrayals push the idea that in order to be respected, a woman must embody what a good male scientist ought to be, rational, detached, and professional at all times. This completely ignores the unique perspective that women can bring to the table, or to the lab bench. And as Marzuk points out, where does that leave the non-gender conforming of us? Why is what women are allowed to aspire to still defined by masculine versions of success, she asks. Women face a unique and significant decision in academia. Either remain childless and focus on your career, or start a family and find a way to balance this with the stresses of an outdated academic culture that was built to accommodate single men. Some women go for a third option. They leave academia altogether and transition to industry, where they're offered better support and more flexibility within their career trajectories. This is not to say that all women wish to have children, but for those that do, it poses a significant dilemma. Marie Curie, two-time Nobel Prize winner and mother of a daughter who also won a Nobel Prize, is quoted as saying, I have frequently been questioned, especially by women, of how I could reconcile family life with a scientific career. Well, it has not been easy. Children represent a dramatic influence on a woman's life path and work productivity. Research by David Leslie has shown that the more children a woman has, the fewer hours per week she spends on her professional work, while the exact opposite is true for men. A study by Mason, Golden, and Frash found that mothers are 35% less likely to enter the tenure track and 38% less likely to achieve tenure than fathers. And only one in three women who accepts a fast-track university job before having a child ever becomes a mother. How do we begin to address the hurdles that make successful academic career paths so inhospitable to women with children? I think, you know, until we as a society recognize that women need maternity leave, that we also need paternity leave, that childcare needs to be accessible. I mean, to put your child in daycare, for example, at a young age, it is very expensive. And I think sometimes that also deters women because they realize that by putting their child in daycare, it ends up costing them more than their salary. So a lot of times for the first couple of years, women end up staying home because childcare is too expensive. So that's a problem that we need to solve. Um, and I think that's, you know, an overarching problem with our society at the moment. I mean, think about conferences, like attending a conference while having an infant, you have to breastfeed. Like there's so many things that come along with, you know, having a baby and being successful in STEM. And 
I could see women not wanting to travel, you know, within the first couple of months of their baby being born or, you know, they don't have the support to go to a conference without their child or children. And that's also frustrating because then they're unable to share their work, which means there's less collaborations for them to have access to. They can't share their research with a broader community. I think nowadays, um, you know, a highlight, I guess, of the pandemic is how more accessible I think it is to give a talk. You can give a talk on Zoom through a conference, you know, with your baby in the next room next to you. And I think that is changing the scope of science that we're not, it's not needed for you to travel to share your work. Um, I think we do, you know, lose out on many things, you know, having a virtual environment to share science. And it's frustrating, but I think, like I said, there's something good out of it is that we do have this opportunity to share our work on the computer and not, you know, you don't have to travel, you don't have to leave your home. And I think that's really great for women, especially. There's just so many things that we can work on, perhaps, you know, creating some sort of stipend for women to have access to childcare or to have funds to put their children into childcare, you know, at the postdoc and PI level, like some sort of package um, to help support women. Because I think that's really the only way we're going to make a change. Other policy changes suggested to make academia more accommodating for women include offering part-time tenure tracks for women having children that segue to full-time once children are older, not penalizing older or non-traditional applicants for jobs, and providing supplements to hire postdocs to maintain labs during family leave. For an in-depth discussion of the factors affecting mothers in STEM and even more suggestions for policy changes, I highly recommend checking out the research paper When Scientists Choose Motherhood by Williams and Sessi. Women face unique hurdles in STEM, and challenging this all starts with accurate representation. We need to provide mentors and role models for girls early on in their journeys and find new ways to bring more women into STEM and keep them there. I'm hoping that by seeing female role models that these young girls, that they feel efficacious um, and that they do pursue careers in STEM and that they do decide, you know, when they're choosing a major in college, that they choose, you know, biology, mathematics, computer science. I do hope that by seeing representation that they feel secure in themselves to make that decision. Because like, like we were talking about before, you know, like seeing you know, scientists like Sheldon Cooper, like, I don't think that would have made me want to go into science. So I do hope that by showing young girls, people that look like them, that they feel that they can do this. Bish Marzuk had the right idea in her essay on being a female in STEM. We need to encourage diversity, not just in identities, but in thoughts and actions, in ways of solving problems. This requires embracing diverse perspectives and being willing to listen to suggestions for improvement from unlikely sources, but especially from those who are affected by inequalities. That's what brings about progress, and that's what science has always been about. It's time to turn the principles of science inward, understanding why things are the way they are, and innovating change to improve the institution itself.
If you want to get in contact with Alex, here's how you can find her. So I am on all social media. I mean, if you type in Alexandra Ambrico on Google, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at, at Alex underscore Ambrico and on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok at Alexandra Ambrico. So everyone's welcome to find me on social media, shoot me a message, um, send me a DM. Always happy to talk more about women in science and engineering, mathematics, technology, medicine, etc. Um, and hopefully, you know, people are inspired to get out there and to show, you know, young girls that they can be in STEM, that they deserve to be there, and that they have a bright future with those careers. Thank you for tuning in today and keep an eye out for Alex as she joins the link in March for a webinar to continue the conversation on women in STEM. You can find more information in the description. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the challenges discussed here today. What steps do you think need to be taken in order to improve the current reality? Join the conversation and leave your take in the comments. I'd like to give a special thank you to the Ellen Alda Center for Communicating Science and to the Kavli Foundation for their support in connecting science communication research with practice. More SciComm Research to Action work can be found at aldacenter.org slash the link. This has been your host, Elise. And if you're interested in finding your unique SciComm voice and learning how to create aesthetic and relevant science content online so you can promote your work and connect with new audiences, come find me on Instagram at the Neuroaesthetic or at theneuroaesthetic.com. See you next time.